Good morning. You doing all right today? All right, well, today we're continuing to do our campaign called The Story, and right now we're going to start picking up, could, could you all turn me down a little bit, please? Now we're going to start picking up a lot of momentum. We've already covered the first book of the Bible in three weeks. Did we know that? What's the second book of the Bible? That's right, and that's what we were looking at this week. So in chapter one, if you remember, we learned that God created everything. He created human beings to be in the special relationship with them, but we sinned. We saw sin entered the world, and then we saw this guy named Noah come, and we talked about Noah, and we learned that when God's gracious favor and your faithfulness intersect, we can have a, what kind of experience do you remember? Ark, amazing. Well, you guys remembered way better in the first service, okay? You can have an ark, amazing things happen. In the second week, we learned about Abraham, Abraham and that God told him that he was going to build a nation, a nation would come through him. It didn't happen in a day. So we see Abraham have some ups and downs. And one time when he was facing just kind of depressed, wondering if what God said was actually going to happen, we saw God come to him and say, don't be afraid, Abraham. Abraham, I'm your protection, your very great reward. And we know that God is still telling us that today. We take our faith out of the created thing and we put our faith in the creator and he can do amazing things through us. Last week, we looked at the life of Joseph, which is Abraham's great grandson. And if anyone had it bad, we would all agree it's probably Joseph, right? He had and has faced far more difficult things than we ever will. He was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was falsely accused of rape, thrown into jail. He went through all of these things, but ended up being the second in command of all of Egypt. And we learned from his stories that you can't always control your circumstances, but you can control your character. And so while he went through a lot, we learned that God had a bigger plan and that God was creating a nation through this circumstance. You see, we left off in Egypt that there was a great famine in the land and everybody went to Egypt and all the Hebrew people went to Egypt and lived under Joseph. Do you remember that? Okay, maybe you've heard it before. And so that's where we're at. And now they enjoyed years of, um, years of prosperity. They ended up being in, Egypt ended up being an incubator for all of the Hebrew people. They grew from just a handful to like a nation and they had the protection of the Egyptians and they could just prosper and live and work. In fact, they grew so large that a Pharaoh later on said, who had nothing to do with Joseph said, hey, we can't have this. We have all these Hebrew people living in our land. If our enemies were come to attack, the Hebrew people could easily join with them and just conquer us, take us out. So they got scared and nervous and so they decided to enslave the Hebrew people rather than work alongside of them. But the more they tried to oppress them, the more the Hebrew people grew, the more they multiplied. And it came to the point where the Egyptians just downright dreaded and hated the Israelites. And so they started just treating them worse and worse. In fact, Pharaoh got so tired of them and so tired that they were growing so quickly, he decided to kill all the firstborn males. The, excuse me, all the, all the males. All, any babies that were born that were male, he would kill. That's what I was trying to say. But all the females could survive. And so then we're introduced to this character named Moses. He was one of the children. His mother had him, and she was supposed to 
get rid of him or he was supposed to be killed, but she hid him from everybody. Then after about three months when she couldn't hold him any longer, what did she do with him? You remember, put him in a basket, floated him down the river. You've heard this before. And lo and behold, we got Pharaoh's daughter there and little baby screaming and she couldn't, you know, do away with it. So she took it in to raise him as her own. And so what's interesting about Moses is he was raised as a part of the royal family, although he knew he was different, he knew his background was different. And one day when he was about 40 years old, he went to visit his people. And when he did that, he saw some Egyptians treating one of his own, the Hebrew people, very bad. And so Moses did what probably any of us would do, right? Some of you are like, I don't know, what do he do? You gotta read your story, okay? He killed them. And then buried him in the sand and went along, went about his day like nothing happened. Well, the next day he saw two of the Hebrew people fighting his own people and said, what are y'all doing? Why are you fighting? He said, are you going to kill us too? He said, "Uh uh-oh, the secret's out. Wanting to, being uh, scared for his life, he ended up fleeing and Pharaoh did find out he killed one of the Egyptians and the Pharaoh came after him. And so Moses fled. He started a new life with a new wife, started working in this land. And so that's where he's at. And then we see that God intervenes. We see that God does something amazing. You see, even though Moses fled, the Hebrew people were still being treated terribly. They were still being hurt. They were still in distress. And so one day Moses is tending his flock. He's watching over, excuse me, his father-in-law's flock. Evidently, he's a shepherd now. And he saw the bush that was on fire that wasn't being consumed. And you understand that, right? You have a bush that's on fire, but it's not turning brittle and brown and things like that. So when he went over there to check it out like you and I would, you know, check out what's going on, and he heard a voice calling his name. I said, Moses. So he shouted out, here I am. The voice said, do not come any closer. Take your sandals. The place you are standing is holy. And what happens next is a dialogue between God and Moses. And I bet if we pay attention, if if we lean in and, and look at what goes on here, I bet we can find our place in this story as well. But what we have to be careful about when we talk about Moses is we have to remember everything that we read about Moses, his story The context is God has called him for a specific purpose and mission. So the principles and the things we learn from Moses' life don't apply to you starting a new job, starting a new career, building your business, doing amazing things. Like, wow, all that is great. What happens with Moses is God says, hey, I got something for you to do. I have a plan for you. I, I, I know you're busy to put all that on hold. I have a mission for you to complete. And the way we can find ourselves in this story too is when we realize and embrace that each and every one of us has been given a mission by our Lord. We're gonna talk about that in a little bit, but what we gotta remember is Moses was asked to do something specific and you as well has been asked to do something specific from the Lord. Let's go back to that conversation with Moses and the burning bush, it's, Exodus 3, if you have your Bible with you, you can turn there. If not, it'll be back here on the screen behind us. So remember, here's the picture. picture. Moses is in the desert. He's tending the flock. A bush is on fire. He walks over to it, and it says, the Lord said, I have indeed, indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. 
I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now here's the thing. It's been 40 years since Abraham left Egypt. He's now 80. Seems like an awful late time in his life for God to come to him, doesn't it? You see, God says, I have seen the misery. I have heard them. I am concerned, that that being God, so I'm going to rescue them. And so I picture Moses thinking or, or maybe muttering, I'm not too sure. I see him thinking, that's great. That's awesome, God, you're finally gonna do something about our people. you've heard them, you've seen it. In fact, hey God, remember when I was there? Remember when that one Egyptian did that thing and I took care of it for you? Remember that, God? Yeah, God, this is awesome. I feel like Moses at this point will want to high five God like, yeah, that's awesome. And then we get to the next part. Moses, I've seen this. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I could see him going, hold hold on, wait, 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 hold on. I didn't say anything about this. I I didn't see him, I don't hear him. In fact, I left. You said you were gonna do this. You said you've seen your people, you're concerned. Hold on, hold on. What do I have to do with this? I, I, I didn't talk about this. Like I'm busy, have my own thing going and God would say, yeah, but I'm gonna do that through you. And I think Moses has a reaction like any of us have, if we find out that the Lord is asking us to do something. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses says, why should I do it? What are my qualifications? Maybe you got my resume mixed up with somebody else's resume. In fact, God, I didn't even put one in for this job. Like, so maybe we could move on. Like, why should I do this? Next verse, and God said, well, I'll be with you. So, oh, Moses, you, you thought you were gonna do this on your own. No, 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 I'm, I'm gonna be right there with you every step of the way. Remember, you're talking to a burning bush right now. I am the all-powerful God, and I will be right there. Mo- Moses, it's not about what you can do, but what I can do through you. And so the Moses starts running scenarios through his head. For you analytical types, this is for you, right? And I just want to point out that when people start being analytical about a situation, the what ifs, notice they're usually negative. You found that to be true? It's not like, well, what if it goes amazing and awesome and everything's perfect? No one ever says that. We always try to find, well, what if the bad thing? So here Moses goes. Question number two, Moses said to God, Well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Translation, who are you? And I think if we're all honest, we probably all ask God that question. I mean, really, God, are you there? God, who, who are you? How do I know you? And you say you're gonna be with me, but how does that give me an authority? And how do I know that things aren't gonna fall apart? I gotta go against the almighty Pharaoh? Have you seen his chariots? I mean, who, who are you? God said to Moses, 
I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And and that's where we find the personal name of God, Yahweh. And we could do a whole sermon on this. He says, I am who I am. And one scholar says, Moses would have heard something like, I cause to be because I cause to be. Like, what, what does that even mean? I don't know. But I cause to be like everything that's there, I've caused it. I'm the one who always is. Wrap your mind around that. I've just been, I am. I am the greatest. And so then he goes from telling who he is to telling what's gonna happen. He says, all right, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna go to the elders. You're gonna tell them about this. And then you're with the elders. You're gonna go to Pharaoh. He, He starts laying out for Moses what's going to happen, what it's going to look like. And then verse 18, he says, when he says you're gonna go to the elder, he says, and the elders of Israel will, say that with me, will listen to you. So Moses, here's what's gonna happen. Go ahead and go, and they're, they're gonna agree with you. So then we go, okay. Question number three. Moses answered, well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And they say the Lord, excuse me, they say the Lord did not appear to you. Do you remember reading where, where God said, you go to the elders and they will listen to you, and now Moses is meeting going, yeah, but what if, they, what if they don't listen? I mean, so God, I'm not doubting you, right? Like I know it's gonna happen, but I'm doubting that they might doubt or I believe they might doubt. So I'm concerned about their doubts, not my doubts here, God. Like what if they, they don't believe you? Like I know it's gonna happen. You ever masked your doubts blaming somebody else's doubts? Well, what if, what if they don't believe you? Like how's it, gonna, how's it gonna happen? I mean, I know you're not wrong, but what, what if it doesn't work? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Look, this is funny. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. How many of you would run from a snake? So we we gotta get the imagery here because this makes me laugh so hard. You have an 80-year-old man, Moses, right? You've seen the movies? Moses, talking to a burning bush in the middle of nowhere, doubting timid, scared, throws a staff down, a snake comes, and he just bolts. Brave leader we got here, isn't it? Also puts his hand, you probably read the story, and it becomes leprosy, puts it back, it does clean. You see, I'm pretty sure God was laughing at him. But I want you to see here that God can use whatever you have. God can do incredible things with normal, everyday things. Some of us, we think we need some big stuff or we need something special, and that's just not how it works. A piece of wood, through a piece of wood, God can do something amazing. And so here, Moses stopped asking questions, and I don't blame him. Would you keep asking questions? Snakes, leprosy, done. Like, Lord, I'm I'm not gonna ask you any more questions. In fact, I just got a couple of statements to make. So now he says this. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant. Any of you that polite when you talk to God? Pardon, pardon your, okay. Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since I have spoke, since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So you, you want me to go do this? I'm not gonna ask you about it anymore. I, I got, mm-mm. but I'm not good enough. I, I'm not gifted enough. I, I see what you can do, but I, I'm talking about what I can do, like, I know you can do cool stuff, but I can't speak. And this is a speaking position. Lord's reply. 
The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight and makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak and teach you what to say. Remember who you're serving. This is the almighty God who spoke everything into existence. He's already said, I'll be there with you. There's no need to worry and be concerned about what you can or cannot do. God says, why are you, I'm God. Like I I got this. But I think now we get to the part of what Moses, it took him a while. Now we get to the part that Moses' true feelings just come out for us all to see, verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. That hurt a little bit. Because we can find ourselves in that statement, I guarantee it. Lord, I, I know... I know there's a lot to do, Lord. I see it. I hear it. I mean, I know I should, but you know, can't someone else do it? I mean, I got a lot to do. I got a bunch of sheep. I got a wife. I'm 80. God, can't just some, I mean, I'm, I'm good. You see, just because Moses did amazing things, just because he was called to an incredible task, didn't mean he felt like he was ready for it or good enough to do it. And maybe that's where some of you are right now today. You struggle, but, but think about Moses. He killed a man. You ever done that? All right, yeah, all right. So he has a little bit more guilt than any of us will ever have. He killed a man, and we see these anger issues creep up later on. We'll talk about those later. He's raised by foster parent, probably had identity issues. Seeing his people getting beat couldn't have been easy. He's 80. Now he has to go against Pharaoh. Surely God could have used him like 40 years ago when he was there. He's not confident in God. He doesn't think he has the skills to carry it out. He couldn't talk well. In fact, it comes to the point he just doesn't want to do it. I mean, he's retired his family life, he has kids, he has a 401k, like he's just, he's, he's relaxing. This is inconvenient. He probably had great reasons on why he shouldn't do it. But I bet so do you. And I want us to remember one important thing. So if you hear nothing else, this is the thing we gotta remember. Every single person here is broken in desperately need of a savior. You see, the starting point for a Christian is admitting we're not perfect, we don't have it together, and we need Jesus to fix that for us. So every last one of us will have plenty of excuses. All of us will feel inadequate and not good enough and not smart enough. It comes with the territory. In fact, if you don't feel that way, you probably don't know Jesus. So all of us have plenty of excuses, but you see, God had a plan. God wanted to rescue his people and lead his people out of Egypt. Moses was just the character. He's not the leading role. That's God. And so he just uses Moses to play this part. And as you know, Moses goes with his brother Aaron They do what God asked. It got pretty hard, but it will get a whole lot worse, as you will read. 
But even though Moses had a ton of reasons why he shouldn't, he did, and he was successful. The underlining principle there, you've heard me say it, and we'll say it again, it's not about what you can do, but what God can do through you. And if we would embrace it as Christians, I'm telling you, you'd be amazed at what God will do through you. You see, at that time and place, God was developing a nation. He was bringing his people out of slavery, but you and I, we are on the other side of Easter. We know what happens. That nation gives birth to a king, the Messiah, Jesus, who redeems his people through the cross, through his blood, and then his resurrection. He ushered in this new life. And so now he's not just working through a nation. Now he's working through these gatherings of people, these gatherings of people that serve under the lordship of Jesus Christ. What are those gatherings called? Some of you are murmuring at the church. And so now God works with these group of people called the church and you and I have our part to play. Now, if I was you and, and I have been you and you have been me, we've probably all struggled with this. I used to think, well, I need a burning bush. Moses got one. If I get a burning bush, no problem. But until then, not doing it. But here's what we have to remember. We've received our orders from a resurrected savior. We don't need a burning bush. What Jesus has done trumps a burning bush. He predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. And he gave you and I, his followers, clear orders. And so just like Moses had a mission to carry out, you and I do too. You see, what we have to remember, salvation is the start of your new life in Christ. It's not the end, it's the beginning. So once you give your life to Jesus Christ or you become born again, whatever word you wanna use, you now start on your journey. You see, it's through Jesus Christ you have a new purpose and you have a new mission in life. And Jesus, well, he tells us what it is. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's called the Great Commission. I read it a minute ago when we did the baptism. This is after the death, after the resurrection, before Jesus ascends into heaven. It says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus says, all authority, heaven and earth, what he's saying is all authority in the entire cosmos has been given to me. You gotta admit that's pretty powerful, right? All heavens, all earth, it's mine. Nobody trumps me. All authority is mine and I command you to make these disciples. And see, we see Jesus say, and he will be with us to the very end of the age, means this is for all of us, all believers, all disciples, all followers of Jesus Christ. This continues. And so here's the thing about this. I mean, we, we'll talk about this verse so many times. This won't be the first, probably not the first, and won't be the last time you hear about it. But there's two things I wanna point out today because this kind of encompasses what this means for you and I. As If this is our mission, making disciples, there are two things we have to embrace, each and every one of us. And that's you and I, we're to reach people 
and we're to teach people. Every one of us should be in the business of reaching people for Jesus Christ and teaching people how to follow him a little bit better. You see, according to Jesus, he says to baptize people. In order to baptize them, what do you gotta do first? We're a Baptist church. We know the right way of this goes. All right, they gotta give their lives to Christ first. Once you give your life to Christ, and that's how every baptism in the New Testament is, after you give your life to Christ, then you become baptized, which means we're reaching people for Jesus Christ. The words we use are evangelism. We just shriek back when we hear that, don't we? You're like, ah, well, mm, that's for them, somebody else. We have evangelism, and then we have mission. You see, one thing we have to remember is it's all of our job each and every one of our job to tell people about Jesus. And, and before you push too far back and you turn me off because I know it happens when we talk about this, I gotta ask you, if you get a really good deal at a restaurant and the food was the best you've ever tasted, would you tell someone, especially you people with Facebook? You sure do. You'll tell everybody about the great meal. If you got the most amazing clothes at a bargain discount, would you tell your friends and family? Absolutely would. You see, because those are important. And I hope that one day you would cherish what Jesus Christ has done and it will become more important than food and clothes. You see, all of us will share things that are important to us. Sometimes we forget, and sometimes we need a little bit of reminding. All of us should do this. But that means if we're gonna tell people about Jesus, that means we gotta be where they're at. Do you know, check this out, study shows it only takes three people, three years for people to like completely transfer communities. So what this means is before you were a Christian, you hung out with X, Y, and Z, okay? When you become a Christian, you start hanging out with church people. And it only takes three years for you to be completely disconnected from your original group. Meaning you can speak Christianese, you only hang out with other people who understand the same things you were doing as, as Christians, right? You get into this new area, so then now you are disconnected from the very people you should be reaching. As Christians, we have a bad problem just hanging out with people who think like us, act like us, and talk like us. In order to reach people, we gotta to talk to people who aren't like us. And a lot of them, we'll, we'll get there. I don't wanna get ahead of myself. Because long gone are the days where, we, where people are just gonna show up to church on Sunday mornings. Did, did we know that? How many neighbors slept in? How many of you wish you could've? I mean, I'm not, not me. Yeah, church being mandatory is gone. That, that culture's gone. It's not coming back anytime soon. So just thinking people are going to come to church, that's, mm-mm, doesn't happen. And, and long gone are the days where we can knock on people's doors and expect for them to invite us in to have a little conversation. Who else is glad that's gone, by the way? Yeah, okay. So things have to be done a little different now. And so when you reach people now, we'll talk more about this as we go, but a big part of reaching people is developing relationships and being authentic and being real. Like people don't want the fake church face stuff. They're tired of it. It doesn't work. People want the, here's what I'm going through. Let's walk together through this. Which means you and I, we gotta develop real authentic relationships with people who don't believe just like us. 
Because if not, we won't reach them. And the second thing is we gotta teach. Now, this is where we continue to help people grow in their faith. And now if we hear teach, we're like, okay, that means, so I'm supposed to be a preacher, Brian? I'm, I'm supposed to be a Sunday school teacher? No, listen, we don't need any more preachers. There are plenty of them. Sunday school teacher, you can do that. That's, that's great. But that's not what Jesus has in mind here. That has nothing to do with what he's saying here. You see, what Jesus says is teaching them, look at this next slide, teaching them to obey. We're teaching people to be obedient to what Jesus has said. It doesn't say teach them to memorize the entire Bible, to make sure they can recite all 66 books forward and backwards. And and now I know scripture's important. I hope you know that about me. But knowing scripture isn't what Jesus said. He said, teach them to be obedient. Teach them to obey. That means actually do what I've written down for you to do. You see, it's easy to memorize scripture. It's a whole lot harder to do it, right? And you see, teaching people to be obedient doesn't mean you have to be a scholar. doesn't mean you have to be a Sunday school teacher. doesn't mean you have to be a preacher. It just means you have to be a human being. And you can teach people how to be obedient in marriage. You can teach people how to be obedient when it comes to how to raise kids. You can teach them all sorts of different ways. What Jesus has in mind isn't, let's sit in class, you sit down and listen to me. What Jesus has in mind is us going and grabbing a cup of coffee or you coming over for dinner. Or how about we just hang out at work? What Jesus has in mind is that we're having spiritual conversations daily. And we're urging people to be obedient to what Jesus has said. Now, please don't leave here going, oh, Brian, don't like the Bible. It's not what I said. I'm just reading what he actually says. And if we're gonna use it, let's listen to it. And he says to teach them to obey. It's an obedience thing. Let's be honest. I bet if we were to poll engaged churches, we don't have a scripture knowledge problem. We have an obedience problem. And that's what Jesus is getting. No, 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 let's help people actually do this stuff. And that's hard. And it's messy and uncomfortable. But once you start, you'll never go back. And so this is what we've been called to do. Teaching people to obedience. And according to Christ, all of us should take part in teaching and reaching people. Teaching people to follow and reaching people for Jesus. That's our mission. And if that makes you uncomfortable, it probably does, at least some of us. Then now we have a little bit of understanding what Moses must have been feeling. When all of a sudden God dropped it on his plate and he's like, well, because some of us may be going, yeah, I know reaching people is important. I know. I know talking about Jesus is important, but Lord, send somebody else. I mean, I'm busy. I got a lot to do. You know, I'm, I'm at church all the time. Don't that count? If you're a part of our church, I know you have a meeting every month, at least one. We like meetings around here. Doesn't that count? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You see, if we pay attention, Moses isn't worried about a battle. 
He's not worried about fighting Pharaoh. He's not worried about the distance. He's not worried about leaving his flock. He's not worried about his kids. Moses is worried and doesn't want to share a message to talk. His problem is that he has to be a deliverer of a message. Isn't that what we struggle with? And so if we were to look at Moses's, you know, questions, maybe we can spin them and think, well, how, could, how would we ask these today? So let's look at them. We may think, well, who am I to try to reach someone or teach someone about Christ? I mean, I'm, I, I can't do that. Remember Moses said that, right? You, you following what's happening here? All right, good. So who am I? If you're a Christian, you are a son and daughter of the most high God. You have been gifted and equipped to serve him for everything he's asked you to do. You are far more valuable than you can imagine. You've been redeemed and set free. Who are you? You're a son or daughter of God. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? If it doesn't sound awesome, it needs to sound awesome because that's pretty amazing. So you are fully qualified. You say, well, suppose, suppose I go and they start questioning and they start asking a bunch of stuff that I don't know. I mean, that, that might happen. Like, what do I do if I go there and they're like, well, who sent you and what is his name? And well, what if they start asking a bunch of stuff? I just don't know, Brian. What do you do? It's very simple. Do you know what you do when somebody asks a question you don't know? Or you can Google it. That's one. You say, I don't know. You say, well, Brian, I already knew that. No, 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 no. I promise you I've talked to enough Christians to know the number one fear is I don't know enough Bible. And we start doing the what ifs. You've been in church for 35 years and you're afraid you don't know enough Bible. I promise you know plenty. You just gotta do it. You just gotta do it. So if you just say, hey, I don't know. If you don't pretend to be a scholar, they won't treat you as one. If you just say, hey, I don't know, but I'll find out for you, it's a great place to start because I promise you, I get stumped by questions all the time and I'm okay with it. Say, I don't know. Let's look together. We both get on our phones and start Googling stuff. So don't, don't let that fear stop you. And we say, well, what if, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me about what God has done, right? Remember that was Moses, what if they don't believe? And you say, what if they don't believe and I tell them about Jesus and they just don't, what do I do then? This is very important. Your job and my job, our job is not to convert people. The heavenly father does that. He draws people to himself. We're not in the conversion business. You're, you're not that powerful. Don't put the pressure on yourself. It's our business to share. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. So here's what you need to know. If you share the gospel a thousand times and zero people give their life, do you know you've succeeded? You've succeeded just as much as Billy Graham but all those people gave him life. Yeah, that has nothing to do with him. That has everything to do with God. He was just faithful in delivering the message. We're called to share the message, not the outcome. So if you do it and you're like, wow, nothing happened, that's okay. Just tell them about Jesus. Or you may say, well, 
Well, Brian, I'm, I'm just not a good speaker. I'm slow in speech and tongue. I mean, I, I, I can't do that, that speaking thing. Yeah, Moses said the same thing, right? And it turned out well for him. Read his story. The man is talking to groups of people all the time. You see, here's something you need to know. It's the secret of public speaking. Everybody's terrible at first. You're like, that's not true. I'm, oh, you should have heard my first sermon. Nobody came and said, Brian, you're going to be a preacher one day. They're like, good, good job, son. Do you know how you get better at it? I mean, you already know that. I know. But yet, public speaking and talking to people scares us. Just start doing it. First couple of times I told people about Jesus, I don't have a clue what I said. My palms were sweaty. Anybody else palm sweat? Yeah, my, I was like, what is, why is my palm sweating? I don't even know what I'm talking about yet. Either today, it worked out pretty good. But telling people about Jesus, don't use all the excuses, just try it. You see, all of us have a mission. And you and I have been given one life. What are you wasting it on? Why, why waste it on things that will fade and perish when we can use our life for things that will reap eternal rewards? According to Jesus, that's what you and I are to do. Reach people and teach people to obey. And so, just like Moses, you have a mission. But just like Moses, you may not want to do it. But from what I gather, God's response to that was, so what? Do it anyways. I mean, isn't that, isn't that kind of what you got from that old Moses? I mean, he wasn't, we think God's always like, it's okay, you can just keep, you just, it's okay to be disobedient, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> you gotta read your Bible a little bit more. It doesn't work out that way. He said, just go, and I'll teach you and tell you what to say. You just go. And so for you, who can you share the gospel with this week? Now, some of you, you're like, oh, I got it. I'm good. I already know. I already have a list. Some of us, we have the sinner's prayer recited. We can drop it in a moment's notice, and we know the ABCs and can just, we're good. You ever met someone like that? They, they're just ready to lead people to Christ. Hey, if that's you, keep going. And if you love knocking on doors, I'm never going to stop you. Keep knocking away. That's so why I live in a gated community. I'm just, that was, that was a bad joke, just kidding. But no, if that's your style, go for it. Keep knocking on doors, we'll never stop you. Just don't expect many people to join you. But keep going. Now, for those of you who aren't going to do that, and studies show the vast majority of people will never share their faith, I still want you to help and partner with us in reaching people. And so one of my favorite methods is where we partner together as a church. It was popularized by Andy Stanley and his church, but it's been around for a long time. It's not just a him thing, but it's where we invest and we invite. So the idea is that you invest into people's lives, non-Christians. Some of us need, need to hang out with more non-Christians. But investing means you build relationships and you already do this, you do it at work, you do it at the ball field, you do it at, what's that? 
home, neighborhood, yeah. You just meet people. And so I'm not asking you to do something you don't already, already do. But you build these relationships because people wanna know that you're authentic today. And then you invite when you hear one of these three knots. Okay, and I love these. These are the three things you listen for. I'm not in church. Well, they're the one who brought up church. So guess what you get to do? Talk about it now. Oh, church, all right, let me tell you about it. Not going well and not prepared for. So if you hear somebody who you know is not, a, I mean, don't just pound on their door and be like, you gotta come to church this week, you gotta come to church this week. Hey, you gonna come to church this week? They'll stop talking to you, right? Build that relationship, build that trust. When they say, hey, I'm not in church, or not going well or not prepared for you, say, well, come on out. Join us at church. And you'd be amazed at the response because everybody's searching for something, I promise. And so this way, we partner together. Now, my goal is that each and every one of us become like Billy Graham and each and every one of us hold crusades and tell people about Jesus. But in the meantime, we can partner together like that where you invite people out. But just wait, invest and invite. Because if we start there, if all of us at First Baptist Church would start at least inviting people, you'd be amazed at what God can do through that. And so, who can you invite to church? And are you prepared to do that? And I promise when they come, we won't be completely weird a little bit. We'll try to be as normal as we can, can be. And then lastly, I ask, how can you teach others to walk faithfully in Christ? See, it's that teaching part. I'm not worried about you teaching a Sunday school. If you do that, that's great. But I'm asking you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, how are you helping other people obey Jesus? See, maybe you know someone who's struggling in life, struggling with things they shouldn't be doing. And maybe you just need to reach out to them and say, hey, you know what? You need to quit that. Or maybe you know a Christian who's caught up in something they shouldn't be. You know it's not gonna turn out. Well, you're watching it happen and you think, well, that's somebody else's problem. What if we decided, well, no, you know what? It's mine and I'll talk to them. Or maybe you know someone who's walking away from the faith and you need to speak some encouragement into their life. I mean, I mean, church, can you imagine if every single person here took an active participating role in reaching people and teaching people about Jesus Christ? What do you think would happen? Don't you want to find out? Because that is our mission. And church, we got to get serious about it. And I'll talk about it, and I'll talk about it, and then I'll talk about it a little bit more forceful. Because we have one life. And the quarters are clear. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you said the harvest is plentiful, yet the workers are few. Father, I pray that you send us into the harvest to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you prompt us this week to share our faith and invite someone to church. Father, help us see people as you see them. Help us have compassion on people. Help us meet people where they're at. Help us love and embrace people who are different. 
Father, help us teach people to be obedient to you. God, we're gonna need you to do work in our lives. We're gonna need you to give us the bolding and the prompting to do this. But Father, I pray that you start a gospel movement in this church. And I pray that each and every one of us at First Baptist Church will take the work that you have given us seriously. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.